We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For 18 years, I've truly been blessed to be a Pacer and a Hoosier. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. McConnell pushing again, gets underneath, finds Sabonis for the dunk and the foul. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. Lovert, skies high for the jam. Brogdon for three. Boom, baby! <laughs> Duarte for three. Big time shot. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman. Today, I am joined by the one and only Michael J. Focci. Focci, welcome back to the show. Hey, I'm excited to be here, and we have a little bit of updated Pacer news. There might be another uh, another certain someone joining the roster that we uh, will discuss with Scott Agnes today, our guest that we have coming on. But I'm just excited. Anytime you throw another name into the mix, it's like the mystery box. Who knows what's going to happen? Man, Fachi, laying down uh, some teasers there. So, yes, if you're not aware by the title of this podcast episode, we are going to be joined by Scott Agnes in the second segment. It'll be our main segment today as we discuss a lot of things going on in the offseason and some potential things that could happen moving forward before the season starts. Yes, I know it's crazy to think about the season. It's just about 41, 42 days away from preseason basketball, but there are still things that could happen. But we wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up this week. We're going to have on some fantastic guests. Fachi, can you let the listeners know who is going to be joining us this week? Sure. So we have Kiefer Sykes himself, freshly signed from an Exhibit 10 deal. He is coming on, setting the pace. And then, just because we love you guys so much, we wanted to make it an action-packed week. We have Dwayne Washington Jr. coming on the show. Yeah, so Dwayne Washington, that episode will release Thursday night. Kiefer Sykes will release Wednesday night, so you guys should be able to catch those back-to-back. We also have Sam Cooper coming on. He hosts a great Suns podcast for the Blue Wire Podcast Network to talk about one of the Pacers that was just recently signed, Tory Craig. So we will get Sam's insight on that, knowing that Tory did play a pivotal part in the Suns' playoff run. But it's going to be exciting to hear from Kiefer Sykes, especially with what J. Michael reported on Sunday night, basically saying that Kiefer Sykes has a real legitimate shot 
at becoming the third string point guard for this team. So I'm excited to hear his thoughts on, on what's going on. Man, that article did get me really excited because I want to be honest, I didn't think that Kiefer Sykes was in the running for that third string point guard. Oh, we know, Fachi. Yeah, but at the same point, hey, after I heard that from Jay Michael, I said, you know what? Let me look a little bit more into his game. I watched some some further highlights on YouTube, some summer league, you know, highlights that we had all seen before. And I did find some really bright spots in his game. 55% shooting in summer league. 43% from three. Well, Alex, he took it to the next level in wins. He bumped those numbers up to just under 12 points per game on 62% shooting and 45% from three. So this is a guy that uh, when given a bigger role, he produced. I appreciate you providing the the statistical facts so we can kind of back that up because I remember in high school, I had a buddy. He came up to me. He's like, bro, did you see those John Wall highlights? He didn't miss a shot. (laughs) <laughs> well it's got a highlight you know yeah, like <laughs> exactly he's like he makes everything i'm like hey my man it's it's a highlight for a reason right that's because they don't show you the bad stuff they don't show you the low lights they show you the highlights and so i always laugh when i go yeah i went on youtube and watched some highlights of this guy it's like well yeah i mean you're gonna like the high moments from a guy but it's the low moments that you're not gonna like so i think adding that the statistical facts there Fauci really did kind of help you make your case there for why you're excited about Kiefer Sykes. But I, I was ready to get you on that one. If that's all you said you did was watch some YouTube no. highlights. No, no, because no. That, I, I think that, that that's kind of what it is. Like if you didn't watch them in summer league and you go watch YouTube highlights. Okay. Like, sure. Like, I, I don't know how you can really take anything away from watching highlights. No, of course. But it's like, Hey, I wasn't searching Kiefer Sykes low lights, but second of all, you know, when I'm watching, <laughs> when I'm watching the summer league, man, it was like Chris Duarte could do no wrong. It was like every time he touched the ball, I felt like anything could happen. So obviously my eyes were more glued on Duarte, um, you know, Cassius Stanley, Isaiah Jackson, guys that I felt like had a, you know, more potentially defined role this mm-hmm. year, but it was Sykes that might've gone a little bit under the radar. Yeah, and you might have watched a little bit too much Cassius Stanley, but we'll get into all of that. Let's take a quick break, Fachi. When we come back, we're going to have, from the Fieldhouse Files, the one and only Scott Agnes right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, and joining us now on the other line is Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse File. Scott, how you how you doing, man? I'm good. Appreciate the invite here. It just feels like this has been a continuation over these last two years, right? Yeah. Like you're starting to maybe things quiet down, and then all of a sudden over the weekend, another signing. Like it's just, it's been nonstop for uh, the Pacers and the NBA, really. 
I know it's crazy to think about preseason basketball be here for the Pacers and I believe 42, 41 days from today. So it's wild to think that we're that close already to, you know, training camp and preseason. But here we are and we got to get right into this because there's a lot of stuff going on with this Pacers team that's been reported by yourself. And I know Jay Michaels had some reports, but Kiefer Sykes is a, a guy that's name has been buzzing around Pacers Twitter the last couple of days. And this is a guy that's signed to an Exhibit 10 contract, and the Pacers still have a hole at that third-string point guard. What are your thoughts on Kiefer Sykes and maybe his chances of making the roster and being that third-string point guard? I like him. Uh, I still need to see more. A little undersized. Uh, had some good things at, at Vegas. Uh, I think he started the last three games, and they won those three games. Now, it's not a direct correlation, but it is notable. Um, for me, it's very much... The Pacers given him an opportunity that he hasn't really had much before. The trouble for him is he's gone overseas and kind of had to live over there, meaning he's gone over there like seven straight years. And so once you get over there, you kind of start to get that uh, attached to your name, right? It's not like as much like a Sam Decker, who I think went there the last two years, I want to say, and is now getting another opportunity or at least a chance. So Kiefer, really, he was one of us, one of them, much like probably many of us who kind of reconsidered things during the pandemic and was like, look, man, why I love it overseas. He was all alone. He was limited to FaceTime with his family, and that really tore at him. Um, there was the isolation, being in his, his apartment or, or hotel room, whatever it was, for so long by himself. He's like, I want to do anything I can to get back in the U.S. And on top of that, Indy's close to home for him. Now he's from the Midwest area. So all those factors combined now with the, an opportunity with the Pacers, it's very much still a tryout is how I view it. Um, he might stick, may not. He's, he's still got some work to do to impress. And the Pacers obviously still would have to open up a roster spot, which I'm sure we'll get into here. Um, but in, in simple terms, the point was for him to get back to the U.S., get a shot again at the NBA, ideally get some reps and impress during the preseason. Um, and then see where it goes from there. Well, one name that you just reported who recently signed to that two-way deal, Dejan Giroux. I believe I pronounced that right. Newest member of the Pacers right now. Played at UMass, Houston, went undrafted. Now, this is a guy when they're competing for that last point guard spot, which he could play both guard roles. He's a little bit bigger, 6'5". Yep. He's younger, so he's about 23 years old. This is a guy who was the 2021 AAC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, just played really well in summer league, 10.6 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 4.3 assists last year in college. Uh, stepped his numbers up in summer league. Can you tell us a little bit more about Jero's game and how he came about joining the Pacers? Yeah, haven't you noticed a familiar theme, I, I think, over this Defense. offseason? Defense, yeah, and toughness. Torrey Craig, defense toughness right there um, and, and several of the other signings here like like Dejan here. And, and so you can infuse the team with a little bit more emphasis on that side of the ball. This team has scores. I mean, we, we talk about miles like we have for countless minutes. He's not even maximizing what he can do offensively because there's other people in, in better positions to do that. So you asked me in the last question about the third-string point guard. I, I think here could be your guy because how often do you go to a third-string point guard too? Not very often, right? Maybe in, in terms of an injury 
or something like that. But think back to years ago, Donald Sloan got some action. I think he was even backup for a little bit. Uh, ben Hansborough, like got very little time. Do you really want to waste a, a contract on a third string point guard? And I look around the roster, right? And how many times did we see Karis LeVert bring the ball up last year? How many times Edwin Sumner, very capable of doing that. Other guys, very well capable on that. So as I see it right now, I, I see this, assuming Dejan impresses and can handle his own, I could see him becoming that emergency point guard. Now with the two-way contract, guys can now be with the team for up to 50 games during the regular season. It used to be, I think, 45 days, meaning travel, um, practices, all that would count count against them, excuse me. And so 50 games, I mean, that's a significant portion of your season. I think the Pacers do have to account for Malcolm missing some games only because that's been his track record, uh, right? Um, and so I, I think you do have to be concerned a little bit with that third string point guard position, but I'm not sure, even to go back to your last question, do you feel that Sykes and have Dejan and have everybody else? I'd much rather, quite honestly, have that 15th roster spot open to adjust as the season goes on, to maybe take on a two-for-one trade if something pops up, or quite frankly, to find another gym, much like they did with O'Shea Brissett, because it's not going to always work out that well. But if it, you can do that every few years, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I think that kind of brings up the next guy that I want to talk about here, and that's Keelan Martin. We saw that his guaranteed date was yeah. pushed back, and I know that they get a little bit of a incentive to push it back. Can you inform us on when that pushback date was pushed back to and what do you think his future looks like as a member of the Indiana Pacers yeah I just don't see it I really don't I don't I personally don't feel like he has done enough to warrant a roster spot here especially with a healthy group around him I mean there's enough competition already with this roster that some of the core players I just don't not sure where they fit in. And a lot of that, in fairness, is because you have a new head coach. And so you're not sure, for example, how does Rick Carlisle feel about O'Shea Brissett? Is he going to put him right there as your backup four immediately? Or, you know, has he got to feel that out? How about Justin Holiday and what he's done? I think he's going to have a lighter role this year. And that'll probably work out to his benefit because he'll, he'll be healthier. He'll be, you know, more of himself, less worn down. Whereas the, the Pacers had to use both of those guys as their utility guy, Justin Holiday was bringing the ball up, Brissett occasionally, where we also saw both of them defend the fives. But with Keelan, I don't uh, have the exact date off the top of my head, but with, with him, they it, it works out to the Pacers' advantage here because it gives them more time to decide on him, but more so if they include his non-guaranteed contract in a trade, um, then they could the other team perhaps could waive him. That, that could be advantageous or... If, you know, they strike out this offseason, don't really get anything to their liking, they could bring him on, bring him back for, for one more season. Um, but I think they're still sorting through some things, and I wouldn't be surprised for this team to make one more minor move um, this offseason. As Chad Buchanan told me last week, as, we, as it currently is constructed, this roster, all the core pieces, he fully expects to go into the season with the core group. Well, a move I wouldn't quite label as minor, but I wouldn't quite label it as a splash, was the Tory Craig signing has been made official. Mm -hmm. It's two years, $10 million, year one, 4.9, year two, a 5% increase at about 5.1 million. Scott, why did this take so long? I think it was just uh, the matter of the order. Um, a lot of times you'll have to go through a specific thing. You re-sign 
um, I think your own uh, later on. And I, I, I didn't never got a sure reasoning, only that, hey, nothing's wrong. We're good. Just uh, wait it out. Because right after he agreed, I forget the exact timeline, but within like three days, he was in Indy for a day and a half, I want to say. Then flew out to Vegas, was around the team. The summer league team was with the coaches for at least a couple of days. Um, so from what I'd heard, there was, there was never any uh, problem or, or failed physical, let's say, um, that came up. Um, sometimes they just take their time. For instance, like we know that, um, you know, Jaroa is, is, has agreed to a, a two-way, but that doesn't mean he has signed. And I'm not sure when that's going to go down, but could go in two weeks or could be tomorrow. Um, yeah, it, it was a little curious, but no specific reason I'm aware of where, why it took four weeks. You know, stick it on Tory Craig for now. Yeah. I mean, this was a guy that right when free agency opened up after the Pacers, Got business done with T.J. McConnell. Torrey Craig was signed within what felt like the first 15 minutes or so. Uh, they have to have a plan for Torrey Craig, but what do you think that plan might be this season? I think he's a he's a guy that, number one, just had championship experience coming off. It was very odd. It played for both the Suns and the Bucks, And so he got to see what those cultures were like and can help with that because one thing I wonder about it because we – saw Kevin Pritchard essentially call out the roster in his exit interview um, or end of season presser uh, say, Hey, we, what kind of leadership do we have? We don't have anything. Um, and I thought that was telling about Malcolm Brogdon more than anything um, because a year or two ago, they were emphasizing him and I, I'm going to follow right behind that guy. Anything he does, I'm right behind. Well, they backed off that a bit. And I think this last season certainly was trying for a number of factors uh, with, especially starting with the head coach, but I think they needed some leadership, accountability, some toughness, and then go back again, it's defense. And so I see him off uh, as a guy that can come off the bench, play several roles, uh, can defend on the wing. And that's certainly an area that they've had to, they need to address because who's going to be the guy defending, as I've said for several years now, really since Paul George left, or maybe uh, I should say uh, uh, Thad Young, there you go, um, defends the Giannis's, LeBron's, that, that, huge wing they don't really have that guy tj warren sometimes brogdon sometimes although he gets beat off the dribble so i think in particular that's where tory craig especially fits in and then with adding another guy like tory craig to the mix it just continues to make the wing position a little bit more crowded and now jeremy liam there's been reports that he could be on the move what do you expect with the, uh, the pacers to do with jeremy lamb and where do you think his future uh, ends up going yeah, I think it's very much a wait and see with him because he hasn't been out on the court um, and complete. I think he, he's been in Charlotte for most of this offseason. He's building a house. It's where he met his wife um, and all of that. I think he wants to be here, plans to be here, um, but he, he does make for an obvious trade piece. The thing is, if you were on the other side of that, what interest would you have in him right now? Because he came back and looked sharp. Remember this first like two weeks? Like he was mm -hmm. really good um, beyond what I fully expected for a, a month or two. But then late in the season, it was strange because he just set out with that soreness after even playing in the back to back. So I think they were being extra cautious with him as uh, he had soreness again in that knee and that that area where he had surgery, significant surgery coming up on maybe two years ago. Um, I'm not sure where he fits completely. He was the sixth man, but he adds that shooting element. But now you're going to make, obviously, Chris Duarte a 
um, priority because he's a draft pick and because he's a lottery pick. Uh, I think he's a little quicker, um, a little like edgier, has more of a burst um, than Jeremy Lamb, whereas I think Lamb looks to get to the basket more, would look, look to get fouled. There also is the whole thing with Karis LeVert as well, because to me, he's the future of this roster. He's the future of the team. Um, and you build around him and his possibilities. So that's your guy at the, the two spot. Well, Duarte needs to be there somewhere as well. I've been pushing to see Malcolm Brogdon to see more of him at the two guard spot. But I think I even talked with you last time I was on here. I asked him that straight up during his excellent interview with us. And he gave the shortest answer um, and didn't want to expand upon it more than any answer I can ever remember. I, because I referenced, you know, what he did with Milwaukee, how he succeeded 50, 40, 90 at the two guard. Are you comfortable? Would you be more inclined to play two guard and hand over those point guard responsibilities? And all he said, guys, was I'm a point guard or I want to play point guard. That was it. Like didn't mm-hmm. even expand on that. So, um, and that's a story I was actually going to write here coming up in a couple of weeks uh, or sometime in the next few weeks when I can work it in. Because uh, a notable thing, Nancy Leonard, when I was talking with her this summer, singled out, said one of the dying wishes for Slick Leonard was for this team to get a true point guard again. He's been saying it for decades, really. Um, I always say you got to go back to J- Jamal Tinsley. And how long ago was that? Um, that they would really stand a benefit with a true point guard. Long-winded answer of saying, I'm not quite sure where a lot of these guys exactly fit in, especially a guy like Edmund Sumner now. Stanley seems like he's on the outside looking for a new opportunity. Um, and he was a guy going into summer league guys that I was told, Hey, he's got a, he's got the most to prove here. We know what Duarte is Isaiah Jackson. Um, he's going to need some time. It's with Cassius Stanley that we're really looking to see what he can produce out there. And he was solid, but nothing spectacular. Um, a little slow to get started. I thought he impressed in the last game when Duarte wasn't out there, when Brissett wasn't out there, when he had more of an opportunity. And maybe that's what he needs, but I'm just not sure if it's with the Pacers. Man, a lot to unpack there. Right. I think that if, if, if Slick, if one of Slick's last wishes was to get a true point guard, I don't think that means well for Brogdon because we've been saying on this podcast how they have not had a true point guard for so long. And yep. I'm in agreement that I like Brogdon better off the ball. I just really do. Um, but just there's so much they need to determine. It's not that Harris LeVert is a true point guard, but he is a playmaker. And I think that he can play multiple positions. I'm more excited to see him carrying those responsibilities. But uh, touching back on Jeremy Lamb real quick, you know, you mentioned he's building a home in Charlotte. Well, he's obviously he played for, for Charlotte. And then Jay Michael mentioned that Charlotte could be interested in Jeremy Lamb. Now, simply put, it's, I guess, a little bit of a two-part question. Do you see Lamb on the roster to start the season? And will the Pacers exhaust all options outside of stretching his contract to let him go? In terms of the first question, yeah, I fully expect him to uh, be on this roster to start. Um, in terms of this, the second question, it sounds like they, the way it was framed, it made it sound like they hate this guy. He needs out, right? I think <laughs> it's worse. That. That's, that's why I kind of paused for a second. I was like, exhaust all options. I was like, this isn't Monte Ellis here. Like, I just think what it is actually is you have younger guys ahead of him. Like, they like Jeremy. They like his shooting, his ability to get to the basket. But you're starting to see quicker, younger guys at that same spot. A younger Jeremy Lamb, right? And so 
I, I think he kind of falls back potentially there in the rotation. I haven't been able to see him. He's actually the one guy I didn't ask Chad about. I got injury updates and posted those with about TJ Warren, about Miles My- Turner, um, and probably mainly because for Jeremy Lamb, it was kind of soreness. It was overuse, I think, um, from playing so often during that shortened season after having such a significant injury. But it's my anticipation that, yes, he will be on the roster um, and – much so like so many of these guys Rick Carlisle wants to see what he can do with them. But if, if something came up, he, he would be of the guys that are currently on the roster. He would be one of the guys that makes the most sense to move among the core guys. Goga potentially, because if they're not moving miles and Domas, if I'm Goga sitting there going into my third year and I see Isaiah Jackson, by the way, behind me, I'm like, what are you doing with me? I need reps. That's why he wanted to play in summer league. Pacers wanted him, but that's why he wanted to play. If I'm Goga, I wouldn't be opposed. I'd actually be encouraged to maybe go somewhere else unless knowing the Pacers might make a move with one of the other bigs ahead of him, just purely because they need an opportunity. But Jeremy and O'Shea and Justin, those are kind of the three core guys that I'm very curious to see how Rick plans to utilize them and to at what extent knowing that the, the core um, bases, you know, Karis, it's, it's Malcolm, and now Chris Duarte, obviously. Yeah, and you brought up Goga, and it's been kind of a puzzling thing this whole entire offseason on what is going on with Goga, why he was away from the team from Summer League. I'm curious if you can update us on if you know why he was away and, you know, maybe something he was going through. And I was also curious, do you know if there is a uh, – a deadline date for uh, the Pacers to pick up his $4.7 million option. Yeah. So first in terms of, of summer league and and uh, why he wasn't, I absolutely know why he's there. As I've put it, it's really not my place. Um, It's something personal within the family. Okay. Therefore I'm leaving it to him. If he wants to put it out there, I can tell you he went back home to Georgia. Okay. Um, And that's why, for example, the Pacers didn't, want to rush him back to Vegas, both because of, you know, the, the flight, but also he hadn't practiced with these guys. Presumably he hadn't been playing basketball. Um, so what do you want to do? Throw him out on the court where he's already had back issues, but it's, it's not a mental health. It's not an injury. Um, nothing like that. It's something uh, you hate to go through, but it's something you have to deal with within your family. I apologize for being vague, but it's okay. There's part, there's that weird part in a reporter where you want to put out the news, but also it's like, dude, man, I don't want someone else breaking that on my, on myself, you know, mm-hmm. we understand. So anyway, let's, let's leave that at, at that in terms of uh, team option. That would be at the end of what um, October, end of October. Okay. Uh, they would have to do that. So just before kind of that two weeks into the season. I think one of the reasons why fans kind of jumped down Gogo's neck initially was the report said personal. And when people see that, I think they <laughs> think that, Oh man, he's, it's, it's like, a, you know, something wrong internally with him, but that's not the case, and we'll leave it at that. But one guy who, you know, unfortunately was able, you know, unfortunately for Goga, was able to shine in summer league was Isaiah Jackson. I, I thought that Isaiah was someone who, not to say that I had expectations were low, but he really didn't get to practice a lot, and they kind of just threw him in there, um, and he produced. We saw a guy that has a lot of promise as a shot blocker, one of the best in college last year. Uh, really good rebounder and an improved shooter from college. 
Do you think the Pacers can find a way to maybe get him more minutes at power forward this year, given the logjam at center, or is this looking like just a potential redshirt year in the G League for Isaiah? I very much see him initially uh, being out of the rotation to start mm-hmm. because it is a lot to come at him at once. And when fully healthy, as I mentioned, there's a lot of bigs in front of him. I mean, you're not going to play him over Goga. You're not going to play him over Miles or Domas, certainly. And by the way, I did want to mention on Goga, that's why in my article, I did specifically point out um, personal reasons and they allowed him to go away as they should. And I also wanted to point out, it's not because of pending trade um, or anything like that. I thought that was the important piece in all this is that he's doing fine, but it's a mention that it's not like there's a potential trade. That's why he's being held out. Um, Anyways, uh, in terms of Isaiah, yeah, he was the guy that really stood out to me and did way more than I expected. Everyone else uh, was about what I expected, but Isaiah, I was stunned at how easily he maneuvered. And I mean, we'll all remember that last game where he swatted seven shots. That was impressive. I love love his his um, ability to work with with guards on the perimeter, pick and roll, pick and pop. I think his his shot's only going to get better as he spends more time on that. And there's always that transition for rookies, right? When they go from the three-point line a little deeper out. Um, but how about, I forget which game it was. It was at Thomas and Mac. Maybe, maybe the last game, the first play call was for him on the right wing to shoot a three and he made it. And then Duarte uh-huh. made one and then made another. Like, I thought that was telling, right? That, that Mike Weiner, who's the top or one of the top assistants for Rick Carlisle, ran a play to start the game for his big to shoot a three. So I thought that was kind of cool. You're absolutely right. He, he uh, beat out all expectations, I think, for summer league. And that's a good thing because you do want to see your first round picks excel at this level because the guys they're going against are, are fringe guys or guys that are out of the league. Um, so that's what you like to see is those either guy like Goga or, or Cassius, guys that have been in the league a year or two to shine and certainly lottery picks like Chris Duarte. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You brought it up a little bit ago, Scott, and you talked about the Pacers, you know, maybe wanting to keep that roster at 14 spots. I'm curious, you know, right now they've, they've got some guys signed to like the two ways in the exhibit tens. Number one, if they do cut Keelan Martin, that would obviously open up that, you know, 15th roster spot. If somehow Kiefer Sykes was that guy they wanted to put on that spot, do, do you think they could sign him to, or how does that exhibit 10 work? And how does everything kind of fall into place there? Cause it's a little bit confusing if you're not really sure how all that works. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's a lot of language. If you want to make it easy, instead of exhibit 10, just say a training camp deal. I mean, you're invited to training camp. There's some guarantees um, up to a certain level. And the other big thing in all that is if you don't make the team, the G League affiliate owns their rights, right? So let's take Kiefer because you brought him up. He, he impresses, doesn't quite make the NBA roster. Pacers wave him. He reverts back to the G League. He would be under the Pacers control. However, the one caveat in all that is... If another team wants to sign you, they can steal them away. Okay. Whereas two way, another team cannot just come in and sign Dwayne Washington Jr. Even to a regular NBA contract. That's where the Pacers own his full rights. However, say 
again, Kiefer, they, they want to sign him um, to uh, a full-time deal. Yeah, you could waive Keelan and add Kiefer. Uh, they would not have a two-way available because, you know, as I reported, both Dwayne um, and, and Dejan already have those two deals. So you could sign him under a, a true NBA contract, probably for the minimum, and then he'd be under your, your 15-man roster. So the, the core roster has 15 plus two two-ways, and you can invite up to three more to training camp. So, you know, you recently had a sit down with Chad Buchanan or you had a chat and mm -hmm. I wanted to see what would you say was maybe the main takeaway from that chat or maybe how you feel the direction of the team is, you know, after everything they just went through last year. Yeah, I think the number one thing was that the core of the roster, they're going to remain untouched. He fully expects going into the start of the season because wasn't that the biggest thing we were all talking about? Are you going to break up the bigs? Are you going to uh, move on from Malcolm Brogdon? How do you feel about the rest of the roster? Those sorts of things. Well, it turns out they've made, made tweaks around the edges and everything else has kind of remained intact. And unless something pops up and rarely do those happen now in the final months before the regular season, we can expect that. So I thought that was the number one situation. Um, the most interesting thing, thing to me in all of that was I'm a big uh, process guy, both in terms of writing or um, trades or things like that. So I got him to break down exactly what went down with Isaiah Jackson because he was not cleared to play until the first game, basically at the end of the first quarter. And when it all went down, guys, he was actually with had an arm around his shoulder from Benny Boatwright in the tunnel he had, who he had helped back. And uh, essentially, Chad was waiting on another player to get cleared. The NBA had to okay it and then text him. He gave him a thumbs up, and Mike Weiner told him to get in. So from a process or entertaining standpoint, um, I really love that. Uh, to highlight a couple other things, I, I thought it was interesting how he really didn't have any straightforward plan or or for how Rick Carlisle would utilize um, this roster, right? At the end of them, he was very much like he's still trying to figure it out. He's, he's went through on tape uh, and looked at things. He's, he's gotten hands-on with many much of the roster. I don't think he has with Domas because Domas has been over with Lithuania. Uh, then they failed to qualify for the Olympics, and then he just got married a week ago. And in, in fairness to him, he's been over there enjoying his offseason. But... I think Rick Carlisle very much looks forward to working with him. Um, obviously, he has a history with Arvidas from out in Portland. Um, so I think that's telling. And you're going to see Rick Carlisle have more, far more influence than any of the coaches that I've covered. And now Rick would be my fourth, I think, going back to, to Frank Vogel. Um, and before, there was always a clear line of distinction. But now you're having Rick Carlisle. He's not the decision maker, but he he's definitely has a voice in the room. Whereas before... Um, the head coach would very much be called up for an, uh, to offer input, um, but would not be central to the meetings as it was described to me. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited with this roster, Scott. I, I know that it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's pretty deep in terms of guys that you trust could crack the rotation, but I'm curious, how do you see that rotation working out? Because I know there's been a lot of talk about TJ Warren playing the four staggering both miles and Domas to maximize them, but if you do that, then you're kind of maybe hindering what you, you get out of some minutes with Goga and that development. Does Chris Duarte crack the rotation right away? How many minutes does he get? I mean, I've gone back and forth thinking, how are they going to perfectly tr try to figure this out? It just seems like there's so many playable guys that it's going to be a really tough decision. I was just curious, kind of your thoughts on what could happen with that. 
Yeah, there's a lot there. And quite honestly, that's a good exercise to do. But I'm not even sure Rick knows. Like like Chad was saying at this point, he's still got to figure it out and see. I don't know what flows, who, who plays well with whom. Um, one thing I'll miss, I'm sure we'll all miss, is seeing the chemistry between Sabonis and McDermott. That was always a beautiful thing. But as we've seen with Domus in the past, he can find that with just about everyone. He did with Lance. Um, he, he has with other guys. And so it might be Chris Duarte. It might be Justin Holiday, someone else out there. Um, my first inclination is that they'll start those key five that we always talk about. Quite honestly, because they've never played together. And so we all need to see it. But then from there, I think, I think it would be best to see potentially um, Miles be kind of the first guy taken out. Maybe you go smaller, quicker, and, and thrive more off Domas, much like we saw last year. Um, I don't know if that would be Chris Dorte, Jeremy Lamb. Um, Justin Holiday is one of the first guys kind of off the bench there, even in Edmund Sumner. Um, I could see them trying to maximize that group with, say, TJ McConnell, Sumner, um, kind of taking the role that Aaron Holiday had, Chris Duarte, someone else, and then Domas, right? And, and let that team maybe finish the first quarter, come back with Miles. In reality, I think you'd like to get their minutes down, talking about the core players too. Like, especially that was one thing that baffled me to start the year, especially if it related to Malcolm and, and Domas, is those guys were two of the heaviest usage guys in the league. And Domas, I still laugh at the fact that Domas covered more ground, ran more mileage on defense than any other player in the league. Think that over your center. And it was just laughable and it never made sense. Domas hated it. It was just baffling to me. And I think that's where now that you have a competent head coach in control, things will get to be a little bit um, figured out from that front. But yeah, it's very interesting when you add TJ Warren back into the mix and how that shuffles things because he really wasn't last year. So I'm, I'm quite honestly not exactly sure just yet, Alex, but I, I would expect the core five to, to start out purely because we all need to see it. You know, we're going to nitpick everything. So it feels like a good problem to have these many mouths to feed, but it's just you want to make sure that guys like Duarte, who you just invested in, have enough playing time to be able to contribute, especially when, you know, you were going for a guy who's ready to play now. But in other news, the schedule just came out. Now, everyone will always have their early thoughts on the schedule. Everyone's playing the same amount of games, so it's not like it's unfair for anyone else. But what were your takeaways on the schedule? And in specific, I noticed the Pacers are playing just three preseason games as they look to nail down that potential final roster spot. Do you think that's a disadvantage only playing three compared to four? Uh, several things. First of all, they are playing four at New York oh, and Cleveland, okay. then home against Memphis and Cleveland. So you'll see the Cavaliers twice. Um, those begin October 5th um, and all that. I, I, I will have my full uh, breakdown, which I always do on my Substack coming up later this week. Uh, my first thought was 14 back-to-backs. Um, that's a huge number um, that they pay attention to, I should say. It's not um, the lowest it's been. I think it was 11 three years ago. I have the full data that I always include in my story here. But that's the one thing I look at. You look at the holidays. You look at the back-to-backs. And the, um, the fact that there were, what, three back-to-backs right away, essentially, I thought that was telling the fact that the team's away for three of their final five games, including the final two um, in December being so home heavy is never for me. It's never a great thing because it means you're making up for it elsewhere, which they are in November and in March uh, where those are more 
um, road heavy. Um, and then beyond that, I look at individual things like when's the first time Rick Carlisle goes back to Dallas? Well, that's the end of January. And unfortunately for him, <laughs> the Pacers are on the, they're on the end of a, a ridiculous road tip trip where they play seven of eight on the road. Oh, wow. So imagine that's usually the worst game of all of them. So maybe that's a good thing because players can help get up for that a little bit. But here's my one uh, rant about all this. The NBA and the Pacers could use more marketing. Why in the world are they releasing the schedule at Friday at like three o'clock, four o'clock? Terrible. Everybody time. knows that's the news dump time. That's when you announce news and, and info you don't want out there to be recognized or talked about. That was the dumbest decision ever, and I still don't understand it by the NBA. Carry on, as yeah. Mark would say. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. You know, I mean, I don't – who knows why in the word, world they do that. But uh, we got it. I think fans were excited. I know a lot of the media members, especially the guys that do the TV and the radio, were excited to kind of see where they would be traveling, what the road trips might look like and all that. Good to see the Pacers get a nice home schedule there, I believe, in December. Yep. Getting, getting 10 games, I believe it is, out of the 13 at home. So that'll be nice. Hopefully they can really establish some momentum there and some some type of culture by that point because, you know, the second half of the season is always the most important, that January through April run there. So I'm curious to see what happens there. But I don't have too many other questions for you, Scott, in terms of what the Pacers could do in terms of roster and all that things. But Bankerside Fieldhouse is going under under some really cool renovations, and there's been an updated video that came out via the Pacers Twitter this weekend. Can you kind of maybe give fans a little bit of an update on what's going on at the Fieldhouse? Sure, yeah, Alex. They're undergoing the second of three phases um, right now. So the biggest areas I see every day when looking outside is you're going to have the, the entry pavilion um, is going to look completely different. Uh, they bulldozed the big parking garage, not the main one, Virginia Avenue that everyone knows, but the one just north of the field house. I actually used to park in it for a couple of years. Um, so that's been com completely demolished. And eventually they'll get to, that's where you'll either have basketball courts or an ice skating rink in the winter. It's kind of a plaza. And, and for me and, and others, think about what they did up in Milwaukee with fans and be able to have um, so many people out there to watch games or be together or, or whatever basically a tailgate lot slash you could throw up big screens there and watch the game if games were sold out. Um, and then you go inside the arena. Uh, there's a lot of areas that are improved basics from um, the restrooms. Everything's hands-free now. So there's basically minimal touching already. It's already gone to a cashless arena. So everything's credit cards and, and that whole thing. But there's, there's a lot more, as I just, describe it most is there's a lot more lounges, free space. Um, there's new seats now coming on the second level. It was just the lower level last year. And then the balcony level will get it the next year. Um, then the other big thing you mentioned things to talk about as well that I want to highlight. Maybe it's because of G League, but it hadn't really got much attention. I oh, yeah. Good point. Is good the point. fact of what the Mad Ants are doing here. I think it's amazing. And I've been calling for something similar for years here. What I've been wanting, guys, is for the Mad Ants to play some sort of like a double header with the Pacers, because again, it goes back to marketing both players and the team. And now they've been working on this for several years, but the Mad Ants are going to play nine of their 24 home games right here in Indy, right at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. And better yet, basically Indy's now their home. They're going to practice here. Uh, they're going to be at the facility every day, which serves a lot of purposes. It, it treats the Mad Ants more like NBA players. So it's more appealing, I think, for 
if you bring up a guy like Kiefer Sykes, if he doesn't make the NBA roster, if he makes the G League, and he can still stay, you know, in central Indiana and be home in the Midwest and not go overseas, that still might be a better, more enjoyable lifestyle, for example, for him. It also means you get the full attention of the medical staff. And for example, it could mean you practice, let's take Isaiah Jackson. It means you he could practice with the Mad Ants at noon and then be available if needed at seven o'clock that night for a Pacers home game. It is incredible for that aspect. It's also great for the front office, the team scouts um, who would have to drive north to Fort Wayne to attend games to either watch their own or for the scouts to watch the, the Mad Ants and the opposing team. So I know Fort Wayne residents won't exactly like this, but I think this is huge for what Pacers Sports and Entertainment is, is doing. You look around the league, and let's go down to Atlanta, for example, where Steve Gansey, former Mad Ants coach, is taking over. They play in College Park. That's a suburb of Atlanta, about 20 minutes away. I think that's going to become the new norm versus having, uh, what was it? Um, they, that College Park used to be in Erie, Pennsylvania. Imagine a Hawks player having to fly from Pennsylvania uh, to Atlanta to on emergency or things like that. So there's so many ways this is beneficial to the Pacers. And I've been surprised this hasn't gotten any coverage in TV or Indie Star or anything like that of places that matter. Whereas I think this is a significant deal right now and moving forward for the Mad Ants and the Pacers. Really hasn't gotten enough coverage. I think you did a great job of doing it justice. Uh, for my last question, uh, the the Eastern Conference win totals just came out from betonline.ag. <laughs> yeah, I got that I email. here. What you thought, because we know the East is going to be very tight and competitive this year. They had the Pacers, the Bulls, and the Knicks all at 42 and a half wins. Are you hitting the over or the under for the Pacers? The Pacers, I'm absolutely hitting the over. I love 42 seems very low. Um, Mm -hmm. What was it? 48 wins the year before this, this, this whole debacle. Um, Nearly 50, I think, because of injuries type thing. And the other thing to keep in mind, just based off history, is the Rick Carlisle bump. I mean, when he's gone to franchises, I think I forget the number. I think it was 13 more wins in his first year taking over for Isaiah Thomas. And I don't even know if we need to get into that whole <laughs> laughable commentary. Yep. And then I think when he took over in Dallas, maybe he won like 18 more games his first year. So 42, I mean, you, you, Pacers should surely get over that with this current group. Um, the only the Chicago Bulls number of the three you mentioned there uh, was the only one that I don't feel very comfortable about. Yeah, I, th- I think this whole entire Eastern Conference is pretty loaded if you look at it. We haven't gotten into our predictions or anything like that because still want to see how I feel about these teams. And I, I feel like there are quite a, I feel like there's a lot more depth this year to me in the Eastern Conference than the Western Conference. I, I feel like there's a handful of teams out West that are like not like they're good, but they're not that good. I, I don't know why I feel that way, but I just do right now based on how I look at their teams on paper. But I do think that this Pacers team is getting overlooked. They didn't make a lot of moves in free agency. They didn't make any big trades, but I think adding Rick Carlisle really is that big of a difference maker, Scott. And really you go and look at some of the teams that added new coaches. I think the Mavericks are the only team that did not add a coach that had uh, had had coach experience besides what the Pacers did with hiring Rick Carlisle. So I think that that really, even though the, the moves in terms of who we let go and who we brought in might be kind of equal, adding Rick Carlisle and letting go of Nate Bjorkman to me, and I'm curious your thoughts, is that much of a, of a difference maker in how this team can 
end up being, you know, a, a little bit more of a prominent Eastern Conference contender. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't just stop at Rick either. I'd go down the line with that coaching staff, which yeah. is laughably yeah. better. Like every position is much better. And if you want to talk about the footprint or, or you know, fingerprint, I should say, that Rick's having, how about just so many of the different changes? For example, he brings in his own analytics guy. He stretches his core assistance from three to four. It had always been three in my time covering the team. And that goes back to Larry Bird. Uh, even before I was covering this team, he got by with three coaches. So everybody kind of figured they could get by with three. He added another player development coach, um, those sorts of things. So he's been hiring a couple new positions and better yet. I, I just really like his staff. Uh, I mean, being at summer league, I was able to see little things like Karis Levert sitting with Lloyd Pierce for a first half of a game. But then guess what? In the second half, it was Miles Turner meeting him and talking with him for an entire half. And I just can't imagine those guys doing that with many others of the, the last year's staff. And I think, I think that was the biggest telling point is <laughs> that group just did not work out, did not have chemistry with the coaching staff or the roster. And I do like to know where, you know, I still have not heard of that coaching staff even being able, and this is all because of COVID not being able to have those bonding moments, the coaches dinner to get to know each other well before even working with the players. So that was against them. But Ronald Nord's going to be a head coach in this league in two, three years, probably. Lloyd Pierce, I'm curious how he'll act after, you know, a little bit of a failure there, obviously, in Atlanta. Something did not work out well, and they both needed to move on. Um, but then, Alex, to go back to your, your previous mark about, you know, where they stack up, I, I kind of like to do tiers. But the big question mark is the 76ers because nobody in the league believes Ben Simmons will be there in the next few months. Like that was the talk at, at summer league after hours is where is he going to end up? Um, is it going to happen in Portland team up with Damian Lillard? Is Lillard going to go to the 76ers um, and play with Joel Embiid, things like that. But at, take it as it is right now. I feel like in the first group, 76ers next bucks. Then after that, I I'd kind of probably put of course, of course, assuming health. Pacers right there with the Knicks, Hawks, maybe the Heat as well. I've not been a fan of the Boston Celtics and what they're trying to figure out. The Wizards aren't that exciting to me. The Bulls, I could see them finishing anywhere from like 5th to 11th. To me, they're the biggest wild card of the teams that matter in the Eastern Conference, um, <laughs> both because of chemistry and newness and the changeover. And then Charlotte, it was really impressive when a healthy Gordon Hayward and, and and LaMelo Ball out there as well. They could easily be there. But I think at minimum, you're probably talking about the Pacers finishing in what, seventh spot? That's what I see it. Right over there. Playing, playing game for sure. Yeah, that seems, that seems about right to me. Although I think this, the best case scenario would probably be about fifth. Because yeah. you bring in a steady hand. These guys catch on. They build some chemistry. They start believing in one another again. Start finding a groove. Start winning at home again. And that's a whole yeah. different conversation that they really lost last year um, that I think they'll be better off, but still not in that contending for a championship group. They, there's right. still a significant move at least away um, from doing that, but progress would be just making the playoffs. Scott, I'm going to be honest. You got me fired up. You're, you're talking about <laughs> winning again at home. I mean, a piece oh of me goodness. died when that streak ended last year. I could not lose. It just didn't feel like Pacer basketball when that, that home streak, I think it was 32 years in, in a row with a winning record right around there. And to see that snap, it hurt. But also, I mean, talking about the, the coaching staff, the mm -hmm. simple fact that Lloyd Pierce was on Team USA when they won a gold medal, I mean, 
that's experience that you could bring over. They just didn't have last year. So I'm really excited, you know, to, to see this staff at work. You would think the way I'm talking right now that Rick Carlisle suiting <laughs> up on night one. I'm that excited for it. But yeah. that's just the, the dark place that we were in as a fan base last year. But as we wrap up, Scott, I want to thank you for coming on. Tell everybody where they could find you on social media and some of the awesome content you have coming out of Fieldhouse Files. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, the coaching staff's impressive. I mean, on down. And and I can mention it. What it sounds like it's going to look like is Lloyd Pierce, kind of assistant head coach, basically. Uh, Ronald Norred, coordinator. Mike Weiner, offensive coordinator. And then Jenny Busick kind of does what she's done the last several years, which is a lot on offense and also analyzes late game situations, what works well for them, and also uh, what opposing teams do. And then obviously on down the roster uh, from the coaching staff has been impressive. Um, as for me, I'm simple on Twitter and Instagram at Scott Agnes, and then uh, push people to my site, fieldhousefiles.com, um, where I got a lot in the bag that I just need to get to, quite honestly. A big story coming up about TJ McConnell. I was able to visit with him at length and even his dad uh, a couple weeks ago that I haven't had time for. Uh, a little known story um, as well, I'll tease, is that one of the Pacers scouts ended up being uh, the advanced scout for the Nigerian basketball team, reconnecting with Mike Brown. Um, oh, so I thought that was really cool as well. A little bit different off the beaten path. And so that and plus a ton more on Rick Carlisle in this roster uh, moving forward at fieldhousefiles.com. Yeah, and it's only $5 per month, right, Scott? Yep, $5 per month, or uh, I think I have it 50 per year. So, yeah, that's, I mean, guys, I, I recently, I told this on Twitter. I told him myself, <laughs> I was late to the party because I had so many subscriptions, but I went through, cleaned up some of the ones I was subscribing to, and said, Scott puts out too much unique content. I'm not just saying this because it's on our show. I mean, I really do believe this, Scott. You do put a different thing out there that most people aren't covering, and you're really good at what you do. So, I'm encouraging all of our listeners. It's only five bucks. So seriously, I mean, you could drop five bucks at the gas station going in there just to get a drink and, and a snack. So it's not that big of a deal. Five bucks in today's day and age is nothing. It's right. like $2. So <laughs> I appreciate you know. that. And I invite people, even if you don't want to pay, you can subscribe and get at least, I'm putting out at least one story, uh, free to your inbox that you don't have to pay for. Okay. So at minimum, you got nothing to lose by doing that. And if you like it, go ahead and subscribe. All right. Well, there you go, guys. Make sure you got, uh, check out Scott on Twitter and on all other platforms that he's on. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everybody, welcome back. Once again, thanks to Scott Agnes. Truly appreciate him coming on the show whenever he's able to do that. And I think he does. I really do believe it, Fachi. He has a great insight on this team, and it's a little bit different than what we're normally used to hearing and seeing based on what people say on social media. No, it really is. I thought Scott, you know, drops some, uh, some very interesting stuff that we have going on with the team. I mean, just so much has happened over the last few months since, since we've seen these players take the court that it's always great to hear a different perspective other than ours. And I thought Scott really brought a great point of view on uh, maybe some of the battles for that last roster spot. Absolutely. And I, and I think I kind of feel the same sentiments about him on 
who improved in the East and where the Pacers are at up against the other teams in the Eastern Conference. So going to keep my eye on that. I'm, I'm still putting my thoughts out there on what I think is going to happen, but me and Fachi will get into that. Maybe later this week at the end of the end of the week, we'll get into our predictions for next season, but we could save that till September. But in case you guys forgot from the intro of the podcast, Wednesday, Keeper Sykes, Thursday, Dwayne Washington Jr., and if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. But Fachi, where can the people find us at on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And don't forget, Fachi, we have a TikTok account at SettingThePace. And we also have a Facebook fan page. If you guys want to ju- jump in over there and, and talk with us, we try to upload all of our podcasts to both of those and we do some highlight videos of the podcast on tiktok so if you haven't make sure you follow us there on all of those platforms but Fachi, if you're a fan of the indiana pacers and you're excited to hear from keeper sykes and dwayne washington on setting the pace say these three words let's go pacers i'm the cool cat who read all that every book from front to back I even read the tiny type. I read each one from day to night. I read about that famous flight and was terrified by tales of fright. Every page I did indeed. I'm one cool cat who loves to read. It's not coincidental. Reading is fundamental.